Welcome to the Here We Are, So Here We Go podcast with Pastor Mark Holman, helping you to apply faith to your everyday life. Pastor Mark is the senior pastor at the Log Church in Cross Lake, Minnesota, as well as the executive director of Faith at Home Ministries. Well, hello, everyone. Um, Welcome to the Here We Are, So Here We Go podcast. And Today, uh, we have a special guest, somebody that we've been looking forward to. We actually had this originally set up to do this interview back in December, and then uh, she had laryngitis, so uh, that wasn't wasn't able. So now we've got it scheduled for today. And to be perfectly honest, this is the better half of the team of Rob and Amy Rena. We've had Rob on our podcast before, but now you're getting the cream of the crop. Now you're getting Amy. You're getting the better side of this. And and uh, but no, we have a lot of fun with Rob and Amy. They are with Visionary Family. Um, go check out their website. Um, you will love. It's a ministry that we love. It's near and dear to our hearts here at Faith at Home. Everything that Visionary Family does. They've got visionary parenting. They've got visionary marriage. I mean, you talk about people that have committed their lives to helping people have great marriages, helping people be strong families, but not according to how they think they should be, but based on what the Bible says. You want to talk about a ministry that is rooted in one thing and one thing alone. Everything, all the advice that they give, all the counsel, all the direction, everything they do comes right out of God's word. And that has been one of the things that I've always valued in in what Rob does and what Amy does is that, boy, oh boy, and they talk about a biblical family. Um, That's who they are uh, unapologetically. And so now just to to give you an idea, we are dealing with a parenting expert. I always think it's funny when I say, here I am a parenting guy and I've had one kid. And so how does that make me a parenting expert? So don't call me an expert, but these guys, Rob and Amy, I mean, my goodness, they have their seven kids. And so from one that's married, all the way down to one that's in first grade. So talk about uh, some people that have lived it, are still living it, are in the midst of the battle of parenting and the the highs and lows of it. So Amy, thank you for being with us. And one of the things that is kind of cool was back in December, I don't think we were going to cover this topic. So, but Amy, um, you just wrote a new book called Not So Perfect Mom. That, that has come out. And so we're going to spend some time talking about that today. But first of all, give us a little backdrop on who you are, because a lot of people don't know, still don't know who, who you and who Rob are. Give a little soundbite too about Visionary Family too, and, and a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, I um, have been raised in Illinois, Wheaton, Illinois, and uh, I went to University of Illinois and I went to Wheaton Graduate School to get my degree in clinical psychology. That's where I met Rob. He was doing a theology degree and we had a very short engagement, uh, short from first date to wedding is 10 months. So I like to say we uh, got married and then dated. (laughs) So we didn't know what we were getting into. My degree was in um, emphasis on marriage family therapy we did both have a passion for family back then. Um, I worked, I found that I loved being, a, he's a youth pastor. I loved being a youth pastor's wife. And even though I thought I was getting this training strictly to be a therapist, I found my heart just really resonating with ministry even more so and felt like that was where people's lives were truly being impacted in a much more significant way. So I, I, while I have worked as a therapist with autistic kids and behavioral disordered kids and family therapy, and I've done, I did uh, 
a group for wives of men with sex addiction. So I've had a, a, a breadth of experience in the therapy world and in the ministry world. But we really did see even from the beginning that family was at a core, our heart moved and moved towards the family and out of youth ministry. And that eventually led to us um, starting launching Visionary Family Ministries. And really it, it started with Rob teaching these parenting classes and just kind of blossomed and grew. And really it was what God was teaching us. And interestingly enough, here we were, Rob is, I mean, I have a master's from Wheaton, but Rob has several degrees. <laughs> and uh, and so we are trained uh, from uh, what you would say evangelical perspective in some top schools. And yet we were amazed at all that we did not know as early as new parents and uh, getting into God's words and not understanding God's vision for the family. It radically changed us. And we, as we started teaching on it, that that ministry grew. So that's a, a little backdrop. I never expected to have seven kids. That's probably also interesting. I, I always, when we got married, I said no less than three, no more than four. So um, that was my mantra. I, um, but yet lo and behold, as God changed and reshaped our vision, that also included the vision for children and the size of our family as well. And so here, here you guys have been doing visionary family, um, parenting events, um, marriage courses that you guys offer, marriage events that you do. How did you then become an author? Uh, and, and then specifically, how did the genesis for this new book, which, I mean, obviously you are a perfect mom. So to write something on not so perfect mom, explain, tell us the journey uh, towards you even becoming an author and then writing this book. Okay, becoming an author is very interesting because they both kind of happened a similar way. Back when I was doing youth ministry, God was working in my life, uh, raised in a in a, a raised as a Christian for a long time, not necessarily a Christian home. My dad was not a Christian, but I began to realize that my personal faith wasn't having an impact in my everyday life the way that I felt that it should. Meaning that, you know, I, I use this expression like God loves me, but so what? Like, how does that help? these everyday practical problems. And so as I was growing in understanding how applying God's word to my everyday life, I started um, seeing that in all the high school girls that I was ministering with. And I started these groups called fit groups, which stood for freedom in truth. I wanted to take that fitness concept and take it to our high school girls and say, you know, what we really need to be working on is how to apply God's word to our everyday life so that it means something to us, not just on Sundays. So as I started doing that Bible study um, over and over, a publisher was interested in it and out came the book, Shine, Embracing God's Heart for You. So that's how that first book came about. And very interestingly, Not So Perfect Mom, again, I didn't set out to write this book. I was speaking um, and you're familiar with the D6 conference. Um, I was speaking with a connect group for that. And as those panel discussions and there's a, just out of that kind of organically, the publisher said, you know, have you thought about writing about this idea of perfectionism in motherhood? And I was like, no, I hadn't thought about it, but I will think about it and uh, prayed about it. And it that just turned into this this book because it really was something that 
was very organic and natural for me because it really described my own journey as a mom, but it also described what I would say the countless conversations I have with moms, not just in the context of our ministry, Mark, but in the context of my life. I, I always say that I missed my calling as a talk show host because um, I could have really been the host and the guest. I love to talk and, and I tend to have conversations with people at swimming lessons and then the soccer field. I mean, just random people, all of a sudden I'm into these in-depth heart connected conversations with people I've just met. And that's just kind of who I am. So I, I know how moms think and I'm familiar with it on many levels, um, both from a Christian, I would say a non-Christian perspective as well. And so it was a natural topic for me to kind of get into the heart of some of the battles we face as moms in this current culture. Well, then let's, let's take that, let's delve a little deeper then into that. So have you been, as you've been listening to moms and have you been obviously being a mom yourself, what would you say are some of those battles that, that, that moms face? What did you feel called to address in this book? Let's, uh, what, what would you say are, are some of those battles? Well, there's a lot. Um, one thing I would say was this, this um, undergoing lie or feeling that you're never living you're never doing enough and you're never living up to a standard. I can remember being pregnant with one of my kids and, and I can remember uh, feeling so down that my house was a mess that I, you know, was not, um, uh, you know, living up to these standards. I wasn't working out like I should. I wasn't feeding my kids the way that I should. I wasn't, you know, involved enough in church the way I should. And I remember like literally crying and talking to Rob about like, I need to be more like this. I need to be more like that. And as we were talking, the TV was on and a commercial came on the television where it showed this mom getting up at like 530 in the morning and, you know, going for this run and coming back and getting her babies. And I was like, see, I need to be more like that, you know? And it was just this perfect timing of, yeah, that's pretty much telling me constantly that I'm not living up to all these standards. And I think this is, and I want to put this in perspective, this is well before social media is a thing, you know? And so that whole element, I think has been just so compounded by social media, but, but what people don't understand is that when you become a mom, I, I re I've really come across the woman who doesn't just want to do it so much better. Like they just really realize that there's this golden opportunity in front of them and their heart is to, to hit this and hit this well. And they might have different ideas about um, how to do that. And there's, you know, I learned right away when you become a mom, like I had no clue that breastfeeding and bottle feeding was going to be such a dramatic battle or, or no, I should say breastfeeding, like schedule feeding or uh, non-schedule feeding. Here's my point is you become a mom and all of a sudden you are thrown into so many things that you're just not expecting. You're not expecting all of the ideas and standards that are going to come at you on so many different levels. So, you know, and you want to do your best. You really want to do your best. So all of that can lead to a sense of always feeling like you're not measuring up. And what my first point in this book is to tell mom, say, listen, don't underestimate who you are as a parent. Like this is the most central thing. It's not what you do, it's who you are. 
And, um, it, you know, that was something I was thankful to get in my training as a therapist, as a therapist, that degree back in, in Wheaton college, my master's degree, because it did stick with me that who I was as a parent was far more important than what I did. And when you love your kids and most moms love their kids, I would say sacrificially, they want to do their heart wants to do what's best for them. They need to start with there that first and foremost, that's a, a gift that they're giving their kids and that there are many kids in this world who don't have that. So I always want to get moms to that starting place. Like, listen, you love your kids. God is pleased with you for that. And, um, okay. I can keep talking, Mark. You're going to have to interject if you need to, but, well, but no, this, this is what we do, Amy. We turn it over to you and that's what we okay, want to do. We, okay, we because, get, just keep going. Because again, I think that, let me, let me back this up a little bit. I was trying so hard to be this great mom and trying so hard to lead my kids, um, you know, I wanted them to be in some extent, this sounds really funny, but wanted them to be superheroes, meaning that I, I had heard on a focus on the family episode that the kids of our generation were going to either be the biggest failures in history because of all the cultural problems, or they were going to be the greatest heroes. So I made up my mind, I'm raising heroes. You know what I mean? Like that, if those are my choices, I choose hero. You know, so yeah. I was on a path of really wanting to, you know, be the best mom that I could be. And there were a lot of great things that came out of that. I'm not saying that that was a bad drive. It was a good drive. But some of the negative things that came out of that was that um, I think that there were some unrealistic standards and especially when you have different kids, you know, my first son was a very compliant, wanting to please mom kind of kid. And so it was a lot easier to have stamp certain types of standards with him. But my, my daughter was very strong willed, you know, and if I said black, she said white. And even at two years old, she was having fits over the clothes that she wanted to wear. And I'm like, wait a minute, like this, that was just, it, it broadsided me. And that was a battle. Um, but one night as I was putting her to bed, I think she was about seven years old. <clears throat> I said, uh, Lizzie, do you know I love you? And they always would say, yes, I know you love me. But I, I called, do you know I'm proud of you? And she said, no. And that was so eye-opening to me because I realized that my daughter was suffering with a, it, it first broke my heart that she didn't think I was proud of her, yeah. that she didn't think I was pleased with her. Um, and that took me on a journey of really understanding like, whoa, hold up, because the most important thing I want is this heart connected relationship with this little girl. And if I don't change gears, that is at risk. And I, I like, I say in my book, I mean, no mom wants to raise this wonderful kid and have them walk out of their life at age 18. That's not what we want. We want to have a lifelong, I call it a lifelong heart-connected discipleship relationship with our kids. And we want it to grow, it continue to grow and with our future grandkids. And we don't realize that some of the things that we're doing in our home are either laying foundations for that relationship or we're doing things that are detracting from that and are pulling them away from us by closing off heart connection. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that we can place standards 
on our kids that we don't realize that we're doing. And even more importantly, we don't realize that those standards often come from our own sense of inadequacy. So as Lissy told me those words, I realized over the next 10 years that I knew God loved me, but I also didn't know that he was proud of me, that he was pleased with me because I was so focused on looking at all the things that I wasn't doing right in my mind that I was really missing all the things that I was doing right. And so I'll let you interject because I can keep talking. So, so, I mean, obviously, uh, so what we're saying, moms definitely want to be good moms and they want to even be better moms than the mom that they had growing up, not to slam their moms, but they have this drive to say, I want to do it even better. I want it to be even better for my kid than what I had it. But, but that puts a pressure on. Then all of a sudden now you're living, moms are living with this pressure that because they want the best for their kids and that makes them to feel like they're constantly looking at what they're not doing rather than looking at what they are doing or who they really are, that just by being a mom. And so you, you learned that as you kind of parented yourself and as you wrote into that. So now as you think about the journey, you've had many, many kids, um, you sit there and go, okay, each kid is different. How has that changed for you? And I really want to dig a little bit deeper too. You said something about social media and you said that that adds a layer of pressure that didn't used to exist before. Please go a little deeper on that one. How does that add a layer of making it harder for moms today? Say, Say more about that. Well, first of all, I think it was God's great grace on me that I didn't join on the Facebook bandwagon and still don't have a Facebook account and didn't engage in that world. And I now look back as that as God's protection, because I think I would have even been more vulnerable to some of the things that I was struggling with if I had done that. But what I perceive with social media is that now so much of a woman's world that can exist on social media, which is even less real, you know what I mean? In the sense that they're just seeing pictures and images. I mean, people post the good things about their life, you know, you know, and even when people do those attempts of posting the bad things, I think even that is whitewashed, you know, it's really not um, real reality. You know what I mean? So I'm saying that now you've got moms comparing themselves with, I think, a, a false picture, even more so, where it used to be like, you know, you went to women's Bible study or you um, talked to other women at church or talked to other women at playground, that that was the major kind of way that you might feel this sense of how am I measuring up? Now you've got this whole social media world that can, you know, it's, it's looking at you all the time. So um, and I, I got my first social media account when my daughter Lissy was in high school and she was going on, wanted to do Instagram. So I got an Instagram just to see what this world was about. So that's really my only social media account that I have is Instagram. And I noticed it right away as I started to see, you know, other people, you know, I was like, oh, wow, she's living like that. Or, oh, this, you know what I mean? It, it was amazing. And I look at myself and I'm like, okay, I'm a pretty spiritually anchored woman, you know what I mean? And yet, even when I first got exposed to it, that affected me and it could affect my moods in ways that I was really surprised that it did. And I had to learn how to um, manage that in my life, not, you know, 
when to choose it, you know, when to choose it, when to turn it off and all that. So, so my point is here, I am very long in this journey and I'm, I'm even being affected by this for the first time. How are young moms being affected when they've a grown up with it and now they're entering into motherhood and, um, let's just, and, and let's just backtrack again, just standards on women, women in general. I think social media has done a horrible, I mean, like I would have not done well in high school, having my picture posted constantly everywhere. And that's now what, what, what people do, their life is pictures, you know? And so, so women have these standards anyway, you know, mom or not mom. It's just that when you enter motherhood, you are now entering a whole other world of standards that you're not really prepared for. And then also you're now, what I think is what is, what is having a very negative effect is that those standards, whether women are realized or not, are getting placed on their, their children as well. And, and that is detrimental to um, this heart connected relationship that I talk about in my book. And now, and that's where I want to kind of go a little bit next. So, there's this pressure that moms feel they want. Um, and yet we're, we're all fall short. We're none of us are perfect. So there's always going to be things, but now you add the whole faith component. I want my kids to have faith and I want them to be, and I want, so now I've got to make sure they have that too. And, and they feel, does that add a whole nother layer of as you have seen it and as you've worked with moms, what, what about that whole layer of trying to be a Christian mom and trying to lead your kids yeah. to faith? Explain yeah. how you how you talk about that as well. Well, I talk about this a lot in my Not So Perfect Mom conference, but I kind of put up a list of what I call the every mom list. And the every mom list is, you know, I need to be worried about my kid's diet. I need to work about their friends. I need to worry about their um, academics. I need to worry about their music ability. I need to work about their athletic ability. I need to make sure that they're, you know, I've got to check that all of these things are going well and I'm choosing all these right choices here. But I call that, but then I call it that I had my noble list. So my first step was that, you know, I was, you know, I was a much wiser mom than that, Mark. I was much wiser. Like I knew what the top priorities were. So I, well, I can't say I did not care about those things because to be truthful, I did, but I was a Christian mom. So therefore my list was very noble. I wanted my kids to, you know, read God's word. I wanted them to, um, memorize scripture. I wanted them to be good spiritual leaders and kids of character. So what I didn't realize is that my noble list, you know, I, I, that can make you feel very sure of yourself as a mom. Like I, I'm uh, casting aside those worldly priorities and I have these, I have my worldly priorities, but God has told me to seek the kingdom first. I've got my noble list and that noble list drove me for a while there until God really impressed upon my heart that God is not looking for me personally. He's not looking for a list from me. What God seeks from me is a relationship. That's what he desires. That's what he, he sent Jesus to redeem his people, to have a relationship with him. And he uses us in whatever state that we are, you know, with all of the gifts or our problems, he, he can use us for his glory, but his heart is to have a relationship with us. So, so, so here I have this noble list. I could allow that noble list to become my top mom priority because again, it's, we have a product mentality in raising kids. And I, I talk about this in my book that, 
the world does not see your kid, your kids as value for who they are right now. The value is in who they are becoming. And yet God looks at our children as valuable for who they are right now. They are not just bundles of potential. And so it, what, when that is the message your kids are getting from the world, whether you realize it or not, it's so important that our homes stand in stark contrast to that. Our homes need to be a place where our kids know that who they are right now, they are valuable for who they are right now. And it doesn't matter who they're becoming because God sees them as, I mean, it does matter. I'm just saying God sees that value right now. Are you seeing the value as a mom right now? Are you getting caught up in this product mentality that by 18, you need to produce out of your home, even if you have this product mentality that it needs to be a wonderful Christian kid? It can still be a product mentality, not a, we're raising people. People are at their core relational and what people need in their lives more than anything else is strong relationships. And Mark, let me um, go back to, to this, what, this experience that I've had being a both a therapist and a, in ministry. And this was God, something put on my heart just really early that I could see. It didn't matter if I was meeting with the high school girl in my youth group, by the time I met with her in any sort of relationship by the second time or the third time, we would be talking about our relationship with her mom always, you know, and then I would go do therapy with a 65 year old woman. And I, by therapy session too, I'm talking about their relationship with their mom. So the mom has this central role. This relationship is an anchoring relationship for your whole life out, which all other relationships will spring from. So therefore, it's the relationship that you have with your child that is the most important gift that you're giving them, not who you are as far as your gifts and weaknesses and how you're getting your kid to be this athlete and this, you know, those are less important than what your relationship is because that relationship is going to have a defining impact on your child for the rest of their lives. And I want to get that message to moms across. Um, you know, you don't, you are defined by your relationship with your parents and your moms. It, it has this overarching effect. So let's focus our energy on working on that. And that, and so what would you say then for a not so perfect mom, you're helping us move away from getting them, you know, to get, have everything they need to now, wait a second. Oh, so the most important thing that their, our kids need from us is a strong relationship with their mom. What then are critical things that a mom needs to do to build a relationship with their kids? What, what would you say are the things so a mom sitting there going, okay, what I haven't focused on that. What, what, what does that look like? What is that to be a relationship oriented mom? Right. Well, in my book, my, the, the last section of my book is all about kind of my top 10 things to help build a, a, uh, heart connected relationship with your kids. But I always tell them don't skip parts one and two, cause you need to know that to get to part three. But, um, so let me just do some things is that first of all, you, an open relationship, you know, one thing that, you know, when we have standards for our kids, 
one thing that we'll know, I mean, again, I don't, I need to back this up. It's not that we're not supposed to discipline our kids or have standards. I don't want to say that. So please look at visionary parenting and some of our other resources before you think I'm just, I'm not suggesting at all. Like you're, you're supposed to have just this free for all friendship with your kids. If you look at my books, I talk specifically about a discipleship relationship. So you're, you're, you need to have a role where you're, you're the parent, obviously, but what I'm saying is that um, when our kids are struggling to meet our standards, one of their first instincts is to hide that from us, to withdraw from us. And when you begin to kind of knock down and say, you know, with that, I look back at my relationship with Lissy when I talked about her saying that she didn't think I was proud of her. One thing that just started a heart connection relationship right there because Now we're talking about on a regular basis, do you know that I'm proud of you? You know what I mean? And, and when she's, when I'm handling a discipline situation, the very next day, I am saying, you know, Lissy, I still have to discipline you for this, but you need to know we all make mistakes. Mom makes mistakes too. And you need to know that I, I love you and I'm very proud of you. You know what I mean? And I'm pleased with you. And right there, that's starting to open doors so that she's not hiding her failures from me. I think that there is a tendency, you know, I would, I would tell people to go look at this song by, um, I'll remember it, John Bellion. It's called Morning in America. Now, John Bellion is a rapist that, uh, a, a musician that I'm sure there'll be explicit l- lyrics on some of this stuff. So, I mean, go listen to this moms in, the privacy of your uh, your own space. I'm not telling you to put this with Caleb on your public radio, <laughs> but but it's such a telling song that about how um, we're se- the 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 child is singing. We're secretly out of control, and everybody knows. And what he's trying to say is that kids know what their secret lives are going on, that they're failing, and all these things, and the kids all know it but the parents are completely oblivious to the real struggles that kids are facing. It's a very powerful song that depicts, I think, so much of the culture that we are living in. So the first thing I would say to parents is that you want to cultivate a relationship of openness because you can't help your child if they're hiding things from you that you really need to know about. And it's so easy for us as parents to get caught up in all of the things that we feel like are so important, like the academics and travel sports and all these things that, that it consumes our conversations and we forget, we don't get to the heart, you know? And then I think what's really hard for the, for parents is that um, you, you know, let's fast forward. I think it's really hard, easy to get to the heart of young children, but if you're already in the high school phases and your kids hearts are starting maybe to close off to you. You know, I have a chapter in this book where I talk about the importance of wooing our kids' hearts, that you can't demand people's hearts. And I want to say that again, you can't demand people's hearts. You can't demand consideration. And sometimes these parents don't understand that just like our heavenly father woos our hearts to him, you know, and we don't have a father who demands us to love us. You can't demand people to love you. So you need to learn 
a process, and I talk about this a lot in the book, of what does that mean to woo our kids' hearts? What does it mean to enter into their world and find out what's important to them? You know, what does it mean to uh, listen to your own instincts about your kids more than you listen to the experts or the mom's opinions next door? So for example, with Lissy, she had an anxiety problem. She had a lot of social anxiety as a kid. And she uh, really struggled with being in atmospheres that were unstructured. And for her, that was a, a birthday party. It's like she would be invited to these birthday parties and we're talking at age five, six, seven, eight. And those were situations that she really couldn't handle. And she would sort of fall apart emotionally and I'd get the phone call to come back and pick her up. Well, I had a choice to make as a mom because she didn't, she really wanted to be at these birthday parties and she really didn't want to have this anxiety, but she couldn't make those things work. And so the only way for her to enjoy the birthday party was for me to stay at the birthday party and be there. If I was there, she was having the time of her life. You know what I mean? And I just sat in the back and she knew I was there and that was fine. Well, so I started to make choices like, you know, I can't go to all the birthday parties she's invited to, but these, if there were friendships that were important to her, I had to move my schedule around so that I could be there with her. And as we dealt with anxiety, we dealt with it together. And I can still remember it being at some seven-year-old parties and having some mom comments like, wow, Lissy still needs her mommy around her, you know, those kind of comments. And yet I had to stay committed to my gut, which was, it's important for her to have these friendships. It's important for her to have this experience. If this is what it takes right now for her to do this, I'm willing to do my best to stay at the birthday party. And that helped Lissy navigate anxiety. We were anxiety, we were navigating it as a team, as opposed to, I would say, the current attitude out there is that if your kid has an anxiety problem, they have the problem that needs to be fixed. Do you see what I'm saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. It built a heart connected relationship around something that was difficult, difficult for her and difficult for me, but we got through it together. And again, that's a, that's now a relationship. You're in, you're in it together. Yeah. We always talk about here, we have a mental health ministry at the church. And we always talk about, don't say my spouse has depression. My spouse, We have depression. We have anxiety. We have it. And, and we have to, we see it as one because when the two get married, the two are one. And so it's not that. So that's the same approach with your kids. Don't say my mm -hmm. kid has, no, we, we have anxiety as a part of our family's reality. We have depression, we have bi bipolar, whatever it may be. And, and especially if you can get in there with with them and learn about it together and and grow together and ask each other questions and yeah that's so because now you're in relationships so I mean obviously so there's a lot of things we can unpack your book um, again gets after all of these things so I want to recommend again not so perfect mom which I'm assuming Amy um, where do people go to get that do they go to visionaryfam.com or is it I'm, I'm assuming is that the best place to go to get it well you can go to visionaryfam.com you can go to Amazon, you can go to places where books are sold, you will, you will find it. Um, but uh, yes, we love to see you at visionaryfam.com because we have some specials, like it's a great book to go through with a group of women. So if you buy, a, you know, a group, a 
sorry, box of 10, you know, it's a better deal. So you can only find those kind of deals at visionaryfam.com. And now in closing, I'm going to give you one final chance to speak into from one final direction, which would be this, the pandemic has created a whole nother layer, a whole nother reality. We're not done with the pandemic yet. The impact that, that's added a layer of pressure for moms too. What In closing, what would you like to say about the not so perfect mom in, in relation to trying to parent during this pandemic or in the midst of this? Mm-hmm. First of all, I would say that it's, um, it's really important I have found to empathize with our kids and to get into their world as much as possible as far as what how their world is changing and what they have lost you know it was easy for me when this started I had two seniors a senior in college and a senior in high school so it was easy for me to commiserate the losses for those two because frankly they were my losses as well as a mom I was looking forward to these things that you know and it's really important to understand that our kids have all lost and lost something here and they're grieving and what might be to you as an adult, a hiccup in your life, you can't take away, you know, first grade, third grade, whatever it is in a child's life. That is a huge, huge thing. It's very, very different. And I don't think we put ourselves in kids' brains as well as we, as we, as we need to, as parents to understand how this change of world is affecting them. But the other thing I would say is really that this is the opportunity to focus on this relationship thing, this, what I like it again, a heart connected lifelong discipleship relationship, meaning that God has given us an opportunity, an opportunity that's pulled us away from so many distractions so that now with, with the more time in our home, how are we using it? I would encourage moms not to stress about the academics that they're losing. You know, and when I write, I'm, I'm a homeschool mom. When I write my goals for our kids every year, spiritual goals are first because your relationship with God is most important. Social goals are second because your relationship with others is the next important thing in your life. Academic goals are third, you know, and I think that, people can become really concerned that what they're missing is the academics. I think that's the least of the concerns, you know? And if you have an opportunity where your kids are now in your home more, you have a golden opportunity to work on your relationship with your kids. You have a golden opportunity for them to work on their relationship with each other and and build sibling relationships. And uh, the family is, I call it, it's the great, God's great safety net for, for the type of things we are experiencing right now. Because if you work on family relationships and you develop a sense of we're in this together, um, you know, heart connected, real authentic, that we're sharing our struggles with each other. We're not withdrawing from these close relationships. You're actually helping your kids, um, have better relationships with their future spouses, with future coworkers, you know, um, and happy people are people who have great relationships. So, I mean, honestly, that really is the case. So, so don't miss the opportunity of your role, mom, in helping your kids build that. And in that process, that is going to refine you and also help you to understand that 
you have a heavenly father who loves you and who longs most to have a relationship with you and focus on your relationship with God first and foremost, because out of that will give you strength to build these other relationships. Tell you what, uh, a wealth of, thank you for your time, Amy. And again, for those of you, this, uh, the title of the book is Not So Perfect Mom and uh, visionaryfam.com is where you'll want to go to to check out their wonderful ministry too. Amy, thanks for being with us and for sharing your heart with us and your love for moms and for just being a great advocate for moms and, and, and painting some different pictures that moms need to see of themselves and who they are in Christ and who, how God sees them and how that perspective can really set you on a new course um, as you realize, you know, what, what type of parent am I trying to be and creating this relational environment, having a relationship with Christ first. It's so funny because in a similar fashion, you know, my first book was more about the how-tos of how to be a Christian parent, how to pray in a home, how to, how to read the Bible with your kids, how to discipline, set boundaries, and had all these how-tos in it. Of, And so it was very practical, very how-to, and of course, that took off and so forth. But then when, the, when I got ready to write the second one, and it was actually when I was doing a, a second parenting event where a church brought me back, and I didn't know I was going back there a second time. I thought it was, and so I didn't have a second parenting event. And now this church needed a second parenting <laughs> event. I remember thinking, now what am I going to do? <laughs> and, I, and I remember going to Deuteronomy 6 and above before it gets into the how-tos is love the Lord with all mm-hmm. your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commands I need to, are, need to be on your hearts. It says that on your hearts before it says impress this on your children. Right. And so then that led to a whole nother journey for me and a whole nother book that was all about, wait, am I living in love with God? Am I in a relationship with God? Because that's the greatest gift. And that is first and foremost, before you get to the how to's, because if you're not doing the how to's from a place of love, they become just tasks that you have to do. And your kids are going to see right through that. It's not being done from a place of love of wanting to do it. You're doing it because you have to and or feel like you have to. And then there's the pressure and then there's everything. But now it's, wait a second, if I'm truly in love with God, this stuff comes natural then that I'm mm-hmm. just going to naturally pray and naturally be in the word. My kids are going to see that. And it's going to be a whole nother thing and a whole nother experience for them. That's going to leave a, a greater impression on them. And that's why mm-hmm. that impressed this on your children. So it's been fun to watch your journey too. And to see this kind of, that's kind of what this now book is more about. Now it sounds like this is more about how do I live in relationship with God and how do I set a relational environment with my kids and my home and, and right. uh, it's not about all the how-tos. So well well done, Amy. And uh, thank you again for being with us. Thank you everyone for joining this podcast. Can I, it's been can great. I just say, can I Absolutely. just add one little bit there? I just want to say the subtitle of the book is Learning to Embrace What Matters Most. And I just want to get that message out with the title because I want moms, sometimes you get a book, not so perfect mom, it can feel like an insult or something. So so want them to know that that it's learning to embrace also what matters most in your home so that I just wanted to get that little bit in sorry absolutely and you guys also have a great podcast as well too that you guys you guys do as well what's tell us about the podcast yes it's called family vision um we took that name from television meaning that um you know just that it used to be that television was something you know it, it gathered people around and so our heart was that we're caused, you know, our podcast is family vision. We want the family to be gathered around a new uh, vision for their family based on God's word. 
And I love that you just interviewed your son or had him on it, your firstborn, to talk about what it's like being the firstborn and all that. So now your kids are contributing to the podcast too. So that's uh, that's just awesome. Well, thanks again, Amy, for being with us and everyone for joining us on, on today's episode. And here we are. So here we go with uh, Amy Reno and uh, author of Not So Perfect Mom. So thank you everyone for joining us. God bless. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Here We Are, So Here We Go podcast with Pastor Mark Holman. For more information about this podcast, The Log Church, or Faith at Home Ministries, go to our webpage, herewego.fm. If you were blessed by today's episode and would like to financially support this podcast, please click on the support button at herewego.fm.